Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And therefore they could not, but it's not because God gave up on them, it's because they would not earlier, but now they could not. But now notice here in verse 10 that they did not. So it's, it's not because they couldn't, it's because they didn't. Do you see the difference? Could not means, you know, we just couldn't because we, we, weren't, uh, we weren't obedient to the Lord, now we're caught in this thing and there's no way out. It just seems like there's no way out. But others, it'll say that they did not. There was an act of the will involved. They, they chose rather to put them in forced labor because they could do things for them. Why should we kill them? I mean, that's so harsh. Today on Truth in Christ Radio, Scripture says, But the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced labor. Welcome to our Bible study for today. Perhaps the people of Ephraim were guilty of this compromise because they wanted forced laborers among them. Even this convenience does not justify their disobedience to God's command. Because God sees the end from the beginning and knows all, we must always trust his guidance and follow his commands. Let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you from Egypt and brought you out of the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will break my, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? And this is a, a very stinging rebuke to the children of Israel because God again is telling them, you should have done this, but you didn't. You didn't obey my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be thorns in your side. And history proves that that is exactly what happened. In fact, when we read in Judges uh, chapter 1 there in verses uh, 27 through 35 of those different tribes, they didn't drive them out. They didn't drive them out. They didn't drive them out. Instead, they had a better plan. Ah, we'll put them under, well, well, they'll they'll be our slaves. They'll do things for us. And where did they learn that from? Hmm. (laughs) Therefore I also said to them, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. And that's exactly what happened. And so it was. When the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voices and wept. Then they called the name of that place Bochim, and they sacrificed to the Lord there. Sacrificed to the Lord there. So let's actually, um, it's a really sad commentary, but you know what? If it, wasn't, if it wasn't the Jewish people, it would have been us. If we were a group of people, if we were all one ethnic group or whatever group it is, it doesn't matter what group it is. It could have been the Germans. It could have been the French. It could have been uh, anybody 
going through what the children of Israel are going through, and they all would have probably done, given time and circumstance, they would have all done the same thing. And why is that? Because the heart of man is bent on disobedience. The heart of man is bent on doing the opposite of what God tells us to do. Until we are born again, do we realize that there's this cosmic battle going on, and this battle is going on within your own flesh. If you're a born-again believer, didn't Paul say that? He says, why is it that the things that I don't do or the things that uh, or the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do do. And the things that I do do are the things that I shouldn't do or something like that. It, it, he, he, was, he was conflicted because he realized that there were these two natures battling for supremacy and dominance in his life. He knew that he was born with an old nature, and therefore he needed to be born again. And the Spirit of God comes into him and is like that, is like that, that cap that gets put on top of a seething pot of stew. It's on the boil, and you just put that lid on it. And that new nature that we have has the ability to squash out that old nature. But we have the crazy ability to say, Lord, open the pot a little bit. I'm going to open the pot a little bit. And you pull the pot out, and you let some of that nastiness spill out into your life. And God's saying, oh, my child, why are you doing this? Why are you continuing to let the things that have plagued your life, why are you letting these things dominate you when I've given you the Spirit of God, I've given you the very, my very Spirit to convict you and to give you the power to resist it, but why won't you resist it? Why are you so easily caving in all the time? Why are you no longer fighting at all? When one little arrow just flies by your head, you cave in. Why? Why don't you get on your knees and fight this? I've given you everything. All you have to do is get on your knees and trust me, and I will fight for you. So as we get into verse or chapter 16, we get into the lot. They were going to cast lots. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that God knew. When men would cast lots, they would put in some kind of uh, maybe a name on a rock, and they'd put it in a bag, and they would switch up the bag and, and shake it up, and then somebody would reach in and pull out the name of a tribe. And then there'd be another bag that would have different allotments of land, and then they would shake that up, and they'd pull out another rock, and the tribe would get that part of, part of land. See, God is in control of the lot, of, of those chance things that you and I, unfortunately, because of man, we need to do things fairly. And the only way we can do that is by casting lots. And that's what they did back this t- at this time. But God says, I want you to cast lots, but I know the outcome. But you need to cast lots so there won't be any strife among you, because that's just the way man is. And so the lot fell, verse 1, to the children of Joseph from the Jordan by Jericho. Now this, this is going to read pretty quickly, by the Jericho to the waters. And you can always look on the screen and you can kind of see the, the allotment of land that was given to Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim and Manasseh, remember, are the sons of Joseph or the children of Joseph. So when you ever see, you see the children of Joseph in the scripture, it's referring to Ephraim and Manasseh. So... The lot fell to the children of Joseph from the Jordan by Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east to the wilderness that goes up from Jericho through the mountains to Bethel. Then went out from Bethel to Luz, passed along to the border of the Archites at Ataroth, and went down westward to the boundary of the Jephalites. I know I'm not pronouncing these names really well. <laughs> as far as the boundary of lower Beth Horon to Gezer, and it ended at the sea. And so the children of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim, they took 
their inheritance. So that, that's, if you look up on the screen, you can see on the, on the western side of the Jordan River, right there at the bottom, at the northern tip of the Dead Sea, all the way up, uh, about two-thirds of the way up the Jordan River, you see that Ephraim is in, this, in, the, in, the, in the south, and then Manasseh is just north of that. And so then in verse 5, he really gets into just the laying out of the, the, the precise border of Ephraim. And it says, the border of the children of Ephraim, according to their families, was this. The border of their inheritance on the east side was Adaroth Adar, as far as upper Beth Horon. And the border went out toward the sea on the north side of Michmethah. Then the border went around eastward to Teanoth Shiloh and passed by it on east of Genoha. And then it went down from Genoha to Ataroth and Nearah, reached to Jericho and came out at the Jordan. It'd be interesting if you were able to take a, a really highly detailed map. You could find these towns. Um, this map really here doesn't really do it, uh, does, does it justice or anything, but it's a general map. But it says in verse 8, the border went from Tapua westward to the brook Cana, and it ended at the sea. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Ephraim, according to their families. The separate cities of the children of Ephraim, among their inheritance of the children of Manasseh, all the cities with their villages. And notice verse 10, and they did not, notice, underline this, they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer. But the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers. Circle, asterisk, underline verse 10, because this is, inc- this is uh, something that we have to take a look at. Notice the language. It wasn't that they could not drive them out, but they did not. They did not. You remember in Joshua 15, verse 63, it says that they could not. But now in this verse, it says that they did not. It was in, th- th- there's a point when God... You know, uh, there's a point when we have failed to be obedient to him. There comes a point where we get into such a, a trouble that there, re- there seems to be no way out. And therefore, they could not. But it's not because God gave up on them. It's because they would not earlier. But now they could not. But now notice here in verse 10 that they did not. So it's, it's not because they couldn't. It's because they didn't. Do you see the difference? Could not means... You know, we just couldn't because we, we, weren't, uh, we weren't obedient to the Lord. Now we're caught in this thing and there's no way out. It just seems like there's no way out. But others, it'll say that they did not. There was an act of the will involved. They, they chose rather to put them in forced labor because they could do things for them. Why should we kill them? I mean, that's so harsh. You know, God is just so mean. You know, let's just, let's not kill them. I don't like doing that. Who likes to do that? Does anybody like to do that? There should be nobody here who likes to kill anybody, right? But again, is it my thoughts or is it God's thoughts? God says to destroy every living thing. So do I think, mm, I don't think so. I'm going to do my own thing. And God says, okay. There's consequences. And we've already looked at one of them in Second Samuel, right? And there are many others consequences for these things. But within the commandment of God is also the enablement to accomplishment. You remember the old adage, what God orders, he pays for? What God orders, he pays for. When he commands anyone to do anything, that includes the enablement to perform whatever that is. 
Even when you're not feeling up to par, even when you're feeling like you, cannot, you can't do it because you're not gifted, you're not talented enough, you don't have the, the money to do it. It doesn't matter. All these are excuses. But when God says, this is what I want you to do, do it in faith and watch what he does. And your jaw is going to hit the ground because chances are it's going to be at a time when you feel like you cannot do it. You're going to feel, like you're going to feel insecure. You're going to feel maybe even under attack from the devil or demonic, you know, oppression. You're going to feel like you got no money. Or maybe you don't have any money, and God's told you to do something. When he tells you to do something, just do it and see what he does. And let the results be up to him. Let the results be up to him. In Exodus chapter 23, God told them that he would drive them out. Just write this reference down. I'm going to read it to you. In Exodus 23, beginning in verse 20, the Lord speaks to them, and this is way before the, uh, or, you know, as they were coming out of, uh, when they were in the desert. The Lord says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him, of this angel, and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name, notice, is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, Then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. Notice, as a result of the obedience, God is going to bless them. And see, there, is, there are blessings for obedience. There always is. When you're obedient, God will bless you. If you're disobedient, God is not going to bless you necessarily. He can if he chooses. But if you're walking in disobedience, you're going to be without the blessing of God. You're going to find your life a shambles. It doesn't mean that your life's going to be roses even when you are in the will of God because sometimes there's real trials when you're walking in the will of God. But you know, you know the difference. Because when you know that you're doing the right thing, trouble's going to come. But trouble comes when you're not doing the right thing. But the one, in one situation, God is with you, and the other one, he is not. You're all alone on this one. Right? He says, No one of you shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come. And he did that with Sion, King uh, Sihon, a uh, king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, there on the west or the eastern side of the Jordan. He did that to them. And even Rahab the harlot in Jericho made mention, they all fear you. We all fear you because we've heard of what God has done in the life of Israel, and we are scared to death. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canite, the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them out from you in one year, lest the land become desolate, But then in verse 30, I'm just going to go on here. Little by little I will drive them out before you. And I will set your bounds, verse 31, from the Red Sea to the sea, Philistia, and from the desert of the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. Notice the confidence that God has in his plan, even with his people. He has the confidence because he knows what's best. And he's going to be with them if they're obedient. See, there's the key. Obedience, God with you. Disobedience, God absent. You know, you may be a born-again believer, but God is not obligated to walk with you when you're walking in disobedience. It's, it's a difficult pill, isn't it? But I've, I've known that in my own life, and perhaps you did too. 
But you shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they... Here's the problem. Here's the reason for all of this. That they shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. That's what it's all about. That's why you had to, they had to go in and destroy everything. Their time had come. The point of no return had come. They did not repent for hundreds of years. This went on, and God says, it's time. And why? Lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it shall surely be a snare for you. And was it a snare to the children of Israel? By not driving out the inhabitants? By not doing it? They did not drive out the inhabitants, but they made them laborers. It sounds very humane, but it's actually the most deadly thing they could have done by disobeying what God had told them to do. Again, write this reference down, but I'm going to read it to you for the sake of time. Numbers chapter 33, beginning in verse 50. And I'm going to paraphrase these next five verses, uh, six verses. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains, and this is right before they went into the promised land. They were still hanging out there on the east side of the Jordan. Uh, Moses was still alive. And, of course, Joshua was there. But it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have crossed over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you. There's the command again. This is what I'm, I'm going to do. And, and in verse 54, he says, And you shall divide the, lot, the land by lot. Well, they did do that. But notice in verse 55 what he says. He says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them. There's the chastening hand of the Lord. That's no fun, is it? <laughs> Nobody likes the chastening hand of the Lord. But notice that they didn't drive them out. And where was the command? If there's, if there's one, if there is three verses in the Old Testament that I would encourage you to remember always, it's Deuteronomy chapter 20. And you've heard me say this over and over again. Deuteronomy 20, verses 16 through 18. Because again, here God is giving the command. And he's not only giving the command, but he's also giving them a reason the justification for total annihilation of the Canaanites. The command and the justification. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 20, and verse 16. But of the cities of these peoples which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive, but you shall utterly destroy them. And he lists them specifically, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. And here's the reason, verse 18, here's the justification for it all. And this is so critical, lest they teach you to do according to their abominations, which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. There it is. There's the command and there's the justification. It's a hard thing, isn't it? It's a really difficult thing. It's a really difficult thing. that would become a snare to them later on down the road. In fact, it's because of this. Do you understand that it's, it's because, the, remember in Judges chapter 2, when I read those first five verses to you in Judges 2, that all the, and even the ones we read tonight, they did not drive out the, the inhabitants of the land. 
over and over again. And what was the result of that disobedience? Well, I can tell you two results of that disobedience. One is that the northern ten tribes were taken into captivity in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians. And why were they taken into captivity? Because of their idolatry. And where did they learn that idolatry? From the inhabitants of the land that they were supposed to drive out, that they let stay in the land, and instead they were more humane than God, and they wanted to do a humanitarian effort, and they wanted to put them under slave labor, basically. And then... The southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, they didn't learn the lesson from their sister up north. And then in 606 B.C., we know that Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come and take them into captivity. And why were they taken into captivity? You can read the first uh, ten chapters of Jeremiah, and the the indictment against against Judah is, is tremendous. He told them, he says, you guys didn't learn anything from your brothers in the, in the, in the north were taken into captivity 100 or 50, 175, something like that, nearly 200 years prior. You didn't learn anything. Instead, you did worse. You continued. Because you didn't allow, you didn't kick those inhabitants out, you didn't destroy them. Now they have infected you. Now you've married their daughters. Your sons have married their daughters. Their daughters have married your sons. Everybody's living in this one international house of pancakes together, and boy, is it nice. Every, the war, fire's warm, and everyone's getting along. There's the reason, folks. The justification, the commandment of God, and the justification for it was that they would, if they did this, they wouldn't be going through this. Had they been obedient to God, probably none of those things would have happened. Or things would be very different than, they, that, than what we know in history. And where did they learn this from? Do you remember in Joshua chapter 9 when the Gibeonites who were not too far away from Israel when they first crossed over, remember they set up camp that night near Jericho in Gilgal. And there were some men who were spies from a town distant, you know, not too far away. They came over and they feigned to be these old travelers that had been traveling for weeks and months and they wore really dirty sandals and really moldy bread and everything. They just, oh, we've been traveling for three months, man, and we're just, we just, we heard about the fame of God and we're just here to serve you. We're just your humble servants. And without even praying, in fact, in Joshua chapter 9, they go through all of this. And it says in verse 14 of Joshua 9, Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but notice they did not ask counsel of the Lord. This is where Israel learned. From this very act in Joshua 9, everything after this followed suit. And what what happened to them? They did not ask counsel of the Lord, so they weren't praying. They didn't ask God about this. God, are we being deceived? Are these men for real? Should we be entering in some kind of agreement with 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 these Gibeonites or whoever these people say they are? And they got bamboozled. They believed them. And so Joshua made peace with them, made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. You can read the rest of the chapter, but in verse 21 of that chapter 9, it says, And the rulers said to them, Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised them. In other words, let them be slave labor. Let them be workers for us. Let them give tribute to us. Does that sound like an echo from what we've been pounding on for a little while here? They put them under tribute. This is where they learned it right here, I believe. This precedent was set, and now they saw the benefit of it. Wow, we don't have to do anything. Our children, our sons and daughters don't have to get the, cut the wood and bring the water. We've got these guys. Hey, they're not so bad. 
And now they're cutting the wood for us. Now they're bringing the water for us. This is kind of a cool deal. I'm going to sit in my hammock today, and I'm going to sip my iced tea in the sun underneath the shade of that palm tree. Let those guys do the cutting of the wood. Life is good. But notice, because of their lack of prayer, and it was already, as we're reading tonight in Joshua 16, and we saw it again in in verse 10 of chapter 17, I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.